Hello, everybody. We're back at the Youth Centered Podcast. It has been a very busy uh, summer, a summer like no other. Uh, Pandemic 2020. Uh, We have been doing our podcast up all the way until we started our summer programs. And unfortunately, just did not have enough time in the day to continue the podcast during the heat of the summer and all the great things we were doing. But we are back at it right now, and we're going to be back every week with a new topic, new guests. Today, uh, we're going to start off our new year of podcast um, talking about the amazing effort we all did in pulling off the greatest summer ever. Um, Most people in town know that um, what took place this summer was pretty amazing, uh, something that most people did not think was going to take place. And uh, we've had some major, major success. Um, We had eight weeks of summer programming, dealing with 819 kids, Uh, And we had zero COVID-19 issues. Uh, So what we've been putting together is called the Blueprint. And the Blueprint has been a project put on at the end of our summer programs to document how we did this, uh, to show some very important data uh, to the powers that be, uh, and to basically go on a speaking tour to communities that want to know how we did it, um, what took place, and obviously share all of our information to the state, um, to other fellow youth organizations that did not attempt to do programs this summer, as well as our own school system and our uh, local school systems on some of our successes we had. So this podcast is entitled The Best Summer Ever, how we actually were able to pull off summer programs during a pandemic. Uh, And we're going to get started with basically how this started. So um, as everybody knows, we were moving along with a very normal school year operation here at the youth center. In the month of February, um, we did a great decision-making process where we picked our our leaders for the summer this year, um, people that were going to be some of our site coordinators as well as our assistant coordinators. And uh, we love the team we put together in February. Um, A lot of new faces, uh, a lot of people that have been around with us for a while. uh, And we were excited. We had put together in February a full program uh, that was going to model pretty much all of our summer programs that we'd done in the past, as well as breaking off into some new initiatives and some new things the kids wanted to see. And we had that project done. Um, We had our plan done in February and we're ready to go. We were basically at that point in time Had our administrative team ready and then we would start the process of hiring uh, our high school and college kids Start the process of registration and marketing our programs things that we have been doing now for 32 years and then March 13th hit where we were notified by the town manager that the youth center would be closing and at that point in time we, as along with everybody else, thought we'd be closing for probably two weeks. Uh, and our staff, who has been working very hard, um, kind of looked at it as like, well, might not be a bad idea having a couple of weeks to kind of rejuvenate and get the juices flowing. And, and we'll be back to what we think would be somewhat of a normal spring here uh, at the youth center. And then, as everybody knows, the world kind of went out of whack in uh, two weeks, turned into you know, probably a month, and then it wasn't too much longer that it was uh, decided that there would be no more school for the rest of the year. Um, And with no school and us following along kind of with the school 
uh, schedule um, and obviously the concerns uh, with the global pandemic and COVID-19. Um, we were closed up and we started to work on so many other different things in town that were needed. We were very instrumental in um, procuring food for people, uh, necessities that people needed. Uh, we were doing a lot with the social emotional aspect of our kids that really did not know what was happening in the world. Uh, and that became our plan pretty much for the spring. Uh, and then it was probably at the end of March, I got a phone call uh, from our administrative kids and they were in a little bit of a panic, you know, saying, so does this mean we won't have a job? Does this mean we won't be able to do anything during the summer? And I started to really think about like, we, we need to figure out how we're going to navigate the unknown and navigate this COVID-19 global pandemic. And I personally began a, an initiative to try to convince people that we could look at having summer programs, albeit very different than we've known in the past. Uh, my immediate reaction I got from people were um, bewilderment, um, basically denial. This is not going to happen. It can't happen. We're in a global pandemic. Um, we're not going to be having programs. There's no school. It doesn't look really bright. And, um, you know, we're going to have to just ride this out and, uh, and see where it goes. And from a personal standpoint, I found that unacceptable. Um, I knew what we were dealing with, um, obviously something that none of us have ever dealt with in our life before, uh, but also something that, you know, the unknowns, we didn't know what we could do or what we couldn't do. So most people in my position and some of my peers throughout the state in southern New Hampshire took an approach of, you know, let's just see what we're allowed to do. See us, let us know what we may or may not be able to do in the months of June, July, and August. I took a very different approach to that in terms of I wanted to have a plan like we would have summer, and then I would wait for the powers to be to probably dissect my plan and tell me what we can do and what we can't do out of that plan. My attitude was at the end of the day, if the town manager and the town government said we couldn't do uh, summer programs, at least I could look at myself in the mirror and look at other people and say, well, we at least tried to put something on. So my first initiative goal after getting not a lot of support from even my closest personal friends, I, I met with my amazing full-time staff, uh, Demi, uh, Kyle, Lauren, and Asia, who actually started right at the start of the pandemic. And we got together and I told them what I was planning on doing. In typical fashion with my staff, um, probably looked at me like some of those other people, a little bewildered, and then kind of jumped on board and let's see if we can do this type of thing. So we uh, initially started to think about, well, this is going to be overwhelming we're gonna have to bring in lots of help. And one of the first things that we did was we took those 16 college kids, kids that were gonna be our coordinators and assistant coordinators, and we created what was called the Think Tank. Um, and we had a Zoom meeting, because remember we lived totally by Zoom during the spring. And I looked at 16 faces on the screen along with my full-time staff, and I told them that we were having summer. Um, and I needed them to help me make summer. And uh, to this day, I wish I had uh, a picture of that Zoom because I had 16 college kids looking back at me 
with a lot of emotion. Um, is he crazy? Could we do this? Are we capable of doing this? Um, can we really have it? Because as I was asking them what they were hearing, they were obviously hearing from their parents and friends that it'll, it'll never happen, you can't do it. So before I finished the Zoom, I told them we were gonna have summer and that they were going to actually help us put summer on. Uh, so we immediately started to meet weekly with the think tank and we delegated a lot of duties. We started to say what were the things that we could do, what things couldn't we do. We looked at how we actually were going to change how we do business, uh, going more, much more to a technological platform, everything from registrations to you know, signups, pen and paper was not going to be part of our global uh, plan during this uh, global pandemic, I mean. Uh, so we actually had each group kind of designed to take a look at all different things that we could look at. It could be PPE information. It could be, you know, how we were going to get kids to wear masks. And we met on a weekly basis from basically the first week in April uh, until we started our program in June. And uh, it's an amazing group of people. Um, we had, you know as I said, all college people, but different age college people. You know, we had, you know, Gigi Castellanos, we had Ben Ramos, Lucy Kilcoin, we had Nicole Kramer, Maggie Matolo, Nicole Sharp, Sabrina Freilich, Leah Hurley, we had Judes DeBille, we had Haley Fay, Matthew Samanick, Nate Dontremont, Caitlin Wessel, Molly Malandrino, Kelly Murphy, and Drew Connolly. And each one of them um, were the people that we had called in February and said, you have a job. Uh, they never thought they were going to have to do all the planning for the job. And uh, we can't say enough about what they actually accomplished. Um, no was unacceptable for us. Um, our attitude was let's shock the world, um, turn pessimism into optimism. Uh, and a lot of it was just by delegating responsibility and having faith and and actually a commitment from them that they could do the things that I was asking them to do. Um, we looked at it as a nine-inning baseball game. That was kind of our analogy. Um, and we were starting out in the middle innings. And uh, at that point, we were losing in the game. And then throughout the course of the spring, we, we kind of went through that nine-inning game where we tried to close out what we were trying to do. So the creation of the think tank uh, was probably one of the most important things that we did on this. And I can't tell you enough how much of a great job the think tank did, uh, but also the fact that what they learned from this, um, they learned resiliency, they learned not accepting no for an answer, um, exhausting every alternatives down the road, and uh, just an amazing group that uh, worked with us throughout the summer. Uh, the next thing that we actually tried to do was we, we needed to know that there were other people that could actually help us, you know, get this done. And uh, I'm a strong believer in not having an ego. Uh, I'm a strong believer that you need to surround yourself with truth tellers, um, experts in their field. Um, and I surrounded myself with anybody that I thought knew more than I did about you know, COVID-19 in particular. I mean, I'm an expert putting on youth programs and, you know, my strength in that area uh, is not questionable, but, you know, try putting on summer programs in a global pandemic. So the first thing that we did was start to connect with our amazing health department, uh, Director Brian LaGrasse, um, town nurse Carolyn Ibbotson, 
um, also school nurses, Cheryl Bozak and Laura McDonald. Uh, and then my two superiors that I had to try to convince that this could happen, and that's our deputy town manager, D. Casey, and our amazing town manager, Melissa Rodriguez. Um, and all I asked them to do was to not raise the white flag and tell me I couldn't do this. I needed their support to at least exhaust all possibilities of putting on a summer program. And uh, again, that Zoom, um, there was no guarantees I could do this. And, and Melissa gave me unbelievable support. But at the end of the day said, as I expected, like Rick, at the end of the day, we may not be able to do summer programs. And, um, you know, that was, that was all I needed to hear. I needed to hear that it wasn't a dead-end street, that it wasn't the end of the day, that we could at least explore that. So on top of that, I had a number of residents that were very supportive to me. Um, Dr. Dave Samanek, our resident cardiologist for MGH, uh, and another, a number of other professionals that worked in the nursing industry as well as any of the medical fields. And I would just periodically text them and say, you know, do we think we could do this? You know, what, what's your latest on this? And as everybody knows, information was unknown and information was changing all the time. And, but I wanted to know what was out there. So, you know, obviously one of my suggestions to everybody is surround yourself with those experts that can help you do this. For us, everything was on the table. Um, you know, when we had these Zoom meetings with our think tank and our full-time staff and periodically with the different experts we brought in, you know, every, entertain any idea, any idea imaginable, then break it down to what was re realistic and achievable. Um, you know, my attitude is when a crisis occurs, you must think of all the possible solutions. And there was no time for negativity. So one of the best things that we did right away with the think tank is, you know, let's not feel bad for ourselves, Not let's not look at the negativity. Let's figure out at the end of the day what we can do and what we can't do. And that was our plan. Uh, we were charged by the town to come up with three plans. And the, the first plan would be, um, you know, business as usual. If, you know, for some reason the virus went away and we were back to, you know, what summer was like in 2019. Um, very quickly, we titled that one, It's Way Past Midnight, um, because at that point in time where we were in the spring, it was not going to be a summer like we had ever known before. The second plan was the new normal, and that was going to be our plan, whatever we could come up with, um, researching everything around guidelines and safety and looking at doing activities different than we've ever done before. Uh, and then plan three, which was I was not a favor of, uh, but we were asked to put this is, and we entitled it, If All Else Fails. Um, and If All Else Fails was basically going to regenerate what we had done in the spring with a lot of, you know, virtual programming. And quite frankly, virtual program is short-lived. It's not something you can, you know, do long-term uh, virtual program tends to work more in the colder months. It worked really well for us in April and early May, but you know it didn't work great when kids wanted to be outside in the beautiful weather. So my fear was if we couldn't get the new normal passed, we were going to have to do if all else fails, and that was going to be virtual, you know, recreational programming, support programs, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, we took a look at it and we said we're going to value each plan. So we put together, obviously, three really good plans. Remember, plan one was already done. Plan run was done in, in, in February. So that was already done. The new normal was the one that was going to take us the most time. And then, but we did spend a lot of time if all else fails. And uh, that was not the most exciting plan to put together because that would pretty much tell us we weren't able to reach our goals, uh, but at least we'd have something for the community. Uh, and then the attitude from us was to value each plan's possibilities, but, but to fight for the one that we really wanted. And obviously the one we really wanted uh, was the new normal. So after we put together a very in-depth plan, a 24-page proposal uh, to the town, um, which would be, again, those experts that I had talked to you about earlier um, that we were going to have to sell this to. And that's obviously our town manager, our assistant town manager, our health department. And at that point in time, other people were, were brought in um, to, you know, hear a little bit more, like Rick Galland from the school department who actually runs his own programs, um, was brought in um, to see some of our successes and see if they could probably jump on that, um, as well as the fact that for, for all the years we've done this, we've never really had a health consultant. So um, we actually really needed to have um, some nurses on there that could actually be hired by us uh, during the summer to um, help us through this. Um, so the cell, um, uh, the initial cell obviously to the town government um, was very lengthy. Uh, we went through the entire proposal. But before we did the how, we did the why. And I spent a good half hour uh, to 40 minutes uh, discussing the why. Um, at the completion of me doing the why, uh, town manager asked me how much coffee I had drinking that day because um, I had just been going 90 mile an hour about why we had to do it. And the why was basically three-pronged. There was the issue that um, we needed to help parents get back to work. And if parents were going to have to go back into the work field, you know, what were we going to do as a community to assist in childcare, in daycare, and in my case, summer programs. Um, and I basically did the sell in terms of that if we really are a community and we're gonna work with each other, that we need to provide safe programs so parents could get back to some form of work uh, in this global pandemic. The second one, and to me the most passionate for me, was to deliver the social and emotional aspect that was taking place with all age groups. Throughout the entire spring, I was working with um, guidance counselors from the elementary school, middle school personnel, high school personnel, and we were greatly, greatly concerned about what was going on um, with our kids. How are our kids handling, you know, this new way of learning with the virtual learning? How were they? you know, handling the fact of being cooped up in their house? How were they handling that they weren't with their friends? And um, I was very outspoken that we needed to address this because the problem was a big problem. And obviously the virus is scary, the virus is deadly, uh, but not enough people were talking about the social and emotional aspects that were taking place. Um, once I started to be loud about it, I heard from even more people, parents, um, you know, uh, people that I actually work with, some of my peers in the field, saying we're seeing the same things. You know, we have to fight for this. 
and as I started to talk about this, some of my peers, you know, took the approach of, you know, I, I, I applaud you, but I think I have to wait for what my town is going to let me do, what's the state going to let me do, and I, I cautioned them. I said, you need to come up with a plan, and at the end of the day, we may not be able to do the plan, but if they do allow you to do the plan, you're going to be scrambling at the last minute to put something out. So that was the second thing was selling the whole social and emotional piece, which to this day, I am still worried about. I'm worried about it after the summer programs. Um, I'm really worried about it as we're heading into the unknown of a new school year and what's going on and what's going on with the virus. So the social emotional piece needed to be talked about a lot. Uh, and then the third piece was that I don't think enough people were talking about that if we didn't have safe, healthy programs during the summer that were supervised by people, the kids were going to just go out and do their own thing. And I was outspoken as someone who, was, who manages our fields and had to be around the community on an everyday basis during the spring. I saw what was happening, packs of kids riding bicycles, nobody wearing masks, kids wrestling in the parks. Um, and the reality is, is that if we weren't going to provide programs that follow guidelines and be safe, then it could be really kind of crazy during the summer here. So those are my three parts that I actually sold um, or tried to sell to the, the group that was going to um, allow me to do it or not allow me to do it. Uh, after that, I consider this the easy part, and I know a lot of people look at it the hard part, is well, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna be it safe? And uh, you know, the reality is my think tank, my full-time staff, myself, we had spent hours upon hours upon hours figuring out how we were gonna do this uh, safely, you know, all the way down from starting with, you know, health screenings every single day um, and doing it electronically where people can do it on their computers or on their phones and, you know, procuring PPE. We were working with DKC even before we got approval to the program of what we would need for PPE. We started to take a look at, you know, how are you going to do social distancing? How are you going to actually sell a mask culture? And I don't think people um, thought that that could happen at all. And I'll be fully honest. I was not a believer that, you know, was all of our kids going to have to wear a mask? Did they have to wear, you know, did they have to actually wear a mask? Um, I kind of had been convinced that my staff was probably going to have to wear masks. Um, but we didn't really know too much about it. And then the whole failing was you'll never get kids to wear masks. And although I thought it was going to be a challenge, I never once thought that we couldn't um, get kids to wear masks. But these were all of the things that we had to explain to the town about how we were going to do this. Um, and after the meeting, uh, the powers that be kind of gave us leverage to keep moving on. And that's all I wanted at that point. I wanted to be able to have a plan, a very safe plan. And then ultimately, we needed to see what the governor was going to say. We had to see what the uh, guidelines were saying. And it was at that point in time, you know, at the end of April, early May, where we first got some of the guidelines in terms of recreation and summer programs. But even those guidelines changed and didn't come out fully until even weeks before that we were about to start the program. So all I wanted was the sell and to be able to convince people on those three biggest issues. And I think that was the major sell um, in terms of 
convincing people that we could not just close up shop, take the summer off, we needed to do this. Um, and as we continued, um, we, we worked together on a daily basis. Um, my staff, um, one of the few um, municipal employee staffs that actually went back to work, um, and we had to you know, work staggered shifts, and we had to be obviously very careful of things in our own building, but we were back to work in, in mid-May because we needed to pull off this summer. Um, you know, there was definitely silver linings that took place in this whole process. You know, we would sit around on Zoom or in actual meetings, practicing social and physical distancing, and we would sit there and say, why haven't we done this before? And one of the best things that I believe is that technology is built for a pandemic. Some of the things that we're gonna do forever now, um, I guess we should have been doing for years, um, just made us more efficient. Um, it also had us new ways of thinking, new ways of operating a program. So we would not allow ourselves to, you know, oh, we're not gonna be able to do this. Oh, no, we're gonna, but we're gonna be able to do this. Um, we looked at the possibility of delivering a possible better product than we had ever had before. Um, and we actually knew we had always done things the right way, but um, we think we could have done it better. And I think throughout this entire process, we actually were able to prove that. And that's kind of the silver linings. And there were so many silver linings that came throughout the planning stage and throughout the summer and still, still silver linings that are coming out right now. So then the next thing is, so even if we do get approval and the guidelines, how are you going to convince your community to buy into this? Um, and we wanted to attack this early on. Uh, we weren't going to wait till the end. So um, we invited, we invited people to contact us. We talked to people. We had conversations. We had dialogues. We did some informal surveys. Um, we use social media, um, incredible use of social media. We actually had some fun with it, with some crazy press conferences, and we did a lot of communication to people. And our attitude was, you know, don't tell us no, um, tell us how. And we elicited a lot of parent feedback of what we could do and what we couldn't do. Um, we were overwhelmed with how many parents wanted us to have summer programs. So as we got into mid-May, um, we were getting a ton of people emailing, calling us, seeing us on the streets saying, you know, you need to have it. Our kids need this. you got to help us. And there was, a, there was a big time hope that, you know, we could actually pull this off. So um, my belief in the community buy-in right from the beginning was to communicate and communicate a lot and communicate in a variety of different ways and actually in a lot of unorthodox ways, and we did that with a lot of the social media. Um, we needed to have clear expectations of state and municipal guidelines right from the beginning, and that changed, and it's still changing to this day, but what we would do is update people on where we were at this whole thing. You know, when we made some final decisions that this was actually gonna go, we told people black and white what was gonna happen and what was not gonna happen. Um, and by doing that, I think the parents in this community became such an advocate for us. Uh, the advocacy that they did in voicing the support towards us was amazing. During this process, I had been meeting with my two 
uh, board of directors. And I report, obviously, um, I work with the North Andover Youth Center Youth Council, um, and that is um, a group of adults, and we meet about nine times a year, and uh, they act as a supportive group to us um, in terms of, you know, running the actual youth center. And I met with them, and told them that I wanted to do. And my second group is more of the fundraising arm of the Youth Center, the Joseph N. Herman Youth Center, Inc. And like I said earlier with the think tank, I wish I had uh, a picture of that Zoom where I had adults staring back at me saying, okay, you th you're gonna do this? And I didn't give them an opportunity to say no. I, I basically said to them, I need your support. And as these two groups have always done for me, I'm not 100% sure they believe we could definitely do it, uh, but they voiced their support. And then from there, it became a major push with the parents um, to get things done. And uh, I think what we saw, we saw um, growing by the day. We saw people believing of what we could do and what we couldn't do. Uh, so when we got that um, okay from the town to do it, um, you know, there were some things that were non-negotiable. Um, so I had a lengthy meeting with the health department around masks. We were getting a lot of feedback from parents saying, um, our kids aren't gonna be able to wear a mask, we prefer them not to wear a mask. And at the end of the day, uh, the health department made a ruling that no mask, uh, no entry into our program. So we were very clear to people on that. Um, and there were a lot of people that probably worried them a little bit, um, but what they wanted was for their kids to be in a summer program bad enough that they would attempt this whole mask thing. So, um, you know, one of the things we had to do in the late couple of weeks before we got started is we finally got the okay. So now we had to hire the staff. Uh, and this wasn't just hiring a regular normal staff. This was, you know, we have to hire more staff just because of all the COVID-19 uh, guidelines that go along with it. So we were in a process after our think tank that we had to hire. Overall ends up being about a, another 120 kids during the summer. We normally hire 110 kids for the summer, uh, but this year there was gonna be a need for close to 150 kids. So we had to fast track that, um, and then we actually had to train them. Um, and normally um, our training is uh, anywhere from a 10 to 12 hour training and it's usually a lot of fun and games and getting to know and team building. This year's training was intense. It was a lot of training around the COVID-19, a lot of the health issues. Um, we were trained for 10 hours with our staff wearing masks the whole time. And uh, at the end of the training, you know, we talked about what was gonna be our purpose. You know, is this something that you guys wanna be part of? Uh, we had already decided that our slogan for the summer was being the difference, and we, we focused a big part of the training about that you have an opportunity to be the difference. Um, we gave kids the opportunity at the end of the 10-hour training to opt out, and I would have not had an issue with anybody if they chose to opt out because this was going to be a hard summer, harder than anybody's ever worked. And again, close to 60% of our kids were all gonna be brand new staff kids that never even worked for us, and now we're gonna ask them to work in a global pandemic. So we basically worked on that extensive guideline training, and our hope was that fear would become calm, and it actually did. Like, at the end of the training, I think we all felt better. Again, we haven't even been with the kids yet, but I think we all felt like, I think we can do this, and, um, 
you know, I think we can definitely make this happen. And, you know, we brought in um, Jeff DeShane from the fire department and Lauren McDonald, who ended up being our nurse consultant for the summer. And I cannot talk enough about Lauren McDonald. Lauren McDonald was an absolute superhero and someone that saved us the entire summer. You know, Demi and I and the rest of the staff, we don't pretend to be medical experts, although I'll put our knowledge up against anybody on guidelines right now. But, you know, Lauren came in and kind of calmed us down and talked to the kids and explained how we were going to do things. And again, our plan was all about, you know, how you were going to put these cohorts together and how you were going to actually be able to monitor this and the health screenings and what happens if someone gets sick or someone shows some symptoms and you know again I can't talk enough about what Lauren McDonald did to try to uh, to make this happen for us and you know we decided as a staff and me personally that we were going to try to inspire our staff every single day um, because we think we needed that, um, and whether it be a tweet or whether it be me coming to talk to the kids or, you know, constant staff communication um, and basically holding them accountable for what we needed to do with the guidelines but never forgetting that they were going to be our superheroes and we were not going to be able to do this unless they could buy into everything we did with our culture um, and then work with all of these great kids. Uh, one of our big pushes was that this summer they had an opportunity to be, to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And if you've ever worked with kids, you don't have to convince kids a lot of that. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And this was going to be something we've never done before. We were going to run programs during a global pandemic when nobody else did, thought we could do that. Uh, we also focused on that, you know, my thing is I – and I have a history of 32 years of working with kids that have gone on to do major, major things in their lives. Um, but I also know that this summer, I believe, was going to be the greatest thing that my existing staff had ever done in their life. And we kind of put that on them that, you know, this is going to be something. And, and our kids had the motivation of, you know, I'm sick and tired of telling people that then we're not going to be able to do it. We're going to do it, and we're going to show them to do that. Um, so the, after the training, we had to actually put together uh, cohorts, and cohorts has become a name that everybody knows now. So basically the cohorts are small groups um, of kids that would be together throughout the day, throughout the week, and what ended up being great for us for almost throughout the whole summer. And um, we had to try to figure out how you make a cohort, right? So we asked the parents to give a you know, two or three names of kids that um, they would like their kid to be with. Um, we also looked at shared interests, you know, were they athletic, non-athletic, you know, were they more into our chill station or our active stations or whatever. And I cannot give enough credit to my administrative staff that actually put together unbelievable cohorts. Now, remember, when we started, cohorts were going to be 10 kids, including the staff. And... Uh, and then Drummond itself, that would be 28 uh, cohorts that we would actually be uh, running. And it's, you know, we have a 4.8 acre site, but it was kind of something that was very difficult for us to initially see how we were going to do this. All the way down to, you know, what activities can you do with just eight kids? 
And if four of those kids didn't come for one day for whatever reason, you know, how are you going to actually do that? Um, after the third week, um, or in the third week, we got great news, another silver lining, when the state allowed us to expand the cohorts. So instead of having, you know, 10, the cohorts could go up to 25, and our cohorts never went up to 25. We wanted to keep them a little bit smaller, uh, but our cohorts ranged between 17 and 22 kids in a cohort, which was kind of group size that we'd always had pre-pandemic. So. Uh, again, the first couple of weeks with having the smaller cohorts was difficult, but we absolutely reduced, rejoiced when the cohorts actually could expand. Um, and what we found out with cohorts, another silver lining, um, is that the cohorts allowed relationships to get better. Um, they allowed kids to be closer with each other. Um, and it was pretty amazing. At Sargent Summer Fun, we're probably gonna continue with cohorts past the pandemic. Uh, Drummond with the kids a little bit uh, older or actually will probably have a version of the cohorts and then also allow them to have the freedom to kind of move around a little bit if we get to the point where we're past with a vaccine or treatments that we can actually kind of get back to a little bit of what we've done before. Um, so the cohorts were put together and on day one uh, my staff would have big poster boards with the number and we had already told the people, you know, what cohort number their kids are going to be in and they came down and that's how they first met their cohorts. And uh, But the cohorts at even our uh, middle school sites of Girl Got Game and Sports and Rec ended up becoming like tight-knit groups. And uh, for what we thought was going to be difficult with cohorts and we thought that we might have to try to change cohorts, um, throughout the summer, we actually changed very few kids, uh, especially at Sarge and Girl Got Game and um, Sports and Rec. We had very few changes. We had more changes at Drummond, but again, not what you would actually uh, think about. We probably had about 20 changes throughout the summer, um, and the cohorts worked really well. And then obviously was the mask, you know, you know, are these kids going to wear masks? Are they going to remember to wear their masks? What if they refuse to wear their masks? And um, basically, I had talked to my staff that it was going to come down to them. Like, they had to be, you know, the models for this. They had to follow through wearing masks, and the kids would. And uh, I remember a training, Lauren McDonald had a, a great line to the kids. And uh, a lot of our staff chose to wear more of, like, the handkerchief um, mask. And uh, Lauren talked about that they're going to idolize your staff so much that they're going to want to go out and we had the same masks as them, and that was so true. I mean, right from week one, we saw kids wanting to wear a mask like Matt Samanek or Nate Dantremont or Leah Hurley wear, and, uh, you know, it was, it was actually pretty cool. Um, masks were a little crazy the first couple of days. Uh, we just had to remind people a lot more. I uh, had to remind my staff a little bit, um, and I would say by day three, um, we started to see everybody grasping that. We had some kids that medically did not have to wear a mask, uh, but they chose, and I, I'll never forget the one line from a, an amazing young man who, who I told privately, like, you know you have an exclusion to not wear a mask, and he looked at me, um, not even sure he knew really who I was, but he said, no, we're all in this together. And that was the attitude. So when I hear teachers and educators and parents talk about you're never gonna get kids to wear masks, let me tell you, stop talking about that. Masks is not the issue. 
Um, we had kids uh, at Saj in kindergarten, first and second grade. Uh, now, I would suggest you make sure you have a child size mask because some of those kindergarten kids had kind of some adult masks and we had to adjust to that a little bit. But everybody wore their mask. And one of the number of reasons that they wore the mask is they did not want to be cooped up. If it meant wearing a mask, they were going to wear a mask because they did not want to stay at home. And remember, we wore masks for five hours a day, 95 degree heat, um, crazy weather. Um, you know, obviously we had mask breaks. Obviously when you had socially distanced breaks, you could take your mask off. And obviously, um, you know, when you were six feet apart, you didn't have to wear masks. So uh, masks became a non-issue. And as we head into the school year, please stop talking about masks. It's not an issue. Um, the best thing for our school department is a sample of 819 kids showed educators that they can wear masks. Um, and, you know, you're going to have to, you know, hold kids accountable. I'm sure there will be some high school kids that may forget their masks. Well, that's why we have extra PPE. You may have some kids that might try to push the limits and not wear their masks. Well, then they're not in the class. We're in a health emergency and um, hold kids accountable, just like our staff held, held our kids accountable. And we held our staff accountable. It's a non-issue. Um, as we kind of proceeded, you know, it's really important to kind of talk about our community partners in making this happen. So again, we talk about our think tank. We talk about the experts we brought in. We talk about our full-time staff and the vision we had. Um, but for us, it was also to have the support of our community partners. And that starts with our municipal community partners, with the health department, um, obviously the town manager's office. Other departments uh, within the town hall were, were great in terms of helping us with PPE and you know, making sure we had all of the things that we needed to run a safe program. Uh, North End of the Fire Department, I can't speak enough about Jeff DeShane's and you know, the Fire Department for what they did, provided training, constant training, um, helped us actually procure AEDs for our mobile sites. Um, were there for any question we had with that. Uh, and then our school partners. Obviously, we end up using a couple of schools. So obviously, school building principals at the middle school and the sergeant school, we could not have done without them. In the same breath, we couldn't have done without the custodians of those buildings who actually helped us and made sure that things were taken care of and that you know we had the adequate space we needed. Um, and then obviously the people behind the scenes that kept us going and you know we had some great local politicians who were big supporters of us. Um, and the reality is our local businesses whom we supported you know through our social media campaign throughout the spring, uh, we're huge in, in supporting what we wanted to do and what we could do. Um, I've always believed that everyone wants to be part of a success story, and what we were doing was definitely going to be part of a success story. Um, social media um, was a huge thing for us. Um, the daily posts of kids smiling and safe environments, following all the guidelines. Uh, we would do weekly, daily, heartfelt videos. I usually did two to three a week. Uh, around you know updates and you know how we're going to do this and kind of putting a face to some of the things we were doing that uh, I think with all of that stuff it was actually got the parents to you know buy in and to see all the safe things we were doing and who doesn't love to see their kids smiling and we think they're smiling behind those masks um, having a great time and being outside and and this is where our parents support just grew and grew every single day 
We also looked at technology again. We used our YouTube channel. So things that parents used to love to come to lip sync or the talent show or all the little different things we did with the kids. Well, this year we couldn't have parents on site. So what did we do? We videotaped it. We showed it on our YouTube channel and everybody still got to see the, so the same thing. So our social media was constant. Uh, I'm sorry if we tied up your timeline uh, for six weeks um, or eight weeks for some of our other programs. Uh, but it was about really showing you what we're doing. Um, and I think that's the most amazing thing. Um, I do need to let parents know that your constant support in terms of posts, comments, feedback on social media motivated us. Um, you know, we'll talk about the, a few people that weren't supportive um, of it, but most of the people, 95, 98% of people just were amazing and wanted us to succeed um, and wanted us to do this and, and knew how special it was that what we were trying to do. Um, you know, you would say all those great posts, but let's be honest, you also brought ice cream, you bought pizza, you bought, you know, little things for my staff to kind of keep them going and we will never forget the parents' support in what we tried to pull off this year. Um, we also use uh, our social media in other areas too. And after about week two, I was getting a tremendous amount of phone calls saying, you know, I'm hearing my son talk about this kid and his name, and we don't know who he is, and you really can't see him behind the, the mask, and he, you know, he's wearing sunglasses or he has a baseball hat on. So we started this initiative uh, called Superheroes Unmasked, and, and they truly were superheroes, um, and they've been wearing masks. So they were known as the masked superheroes throughout the summer. Uh, and then when we finished, we put on a great um, video, which basically took the masks off each one of our staff so you could, as parents, see the amazing group of 150 kids that, that supported your kids throughout the summer. And still to come, we have our best summer ever video, which will be coming out in early September. Um, and that's going to pretty much document, and it, we always call it the best summer ever video. There's no doubt in mind what we pulled off this summer is definitely going to be the best summer ever video. You know, some of my suggestions of rolling with the changes, and if you ever run youth programs, you can't be, you know, just like this is the way it has to be. You have to be fluid. You have to allow for some changes. You have to adjust. You have to deal with the fact that kids' interests change on a minute-by-minute -minute basis sometimes. But we had to roll with the changes because the changing guidelines changed literally every week. And as for people that are in the know, that are in the field, you know, Friday afternoons I'd be hanging on my computer to, to truly, you know, see if there's going to be any changes this week. Are we going to have any adjustments with it? And then obviously they could go either way, right? So things went really well, but, you know, they also could have went the other direction where maybe we would have even had to close up shop, but we didn't. Uh, so you needed to roll with the guidelines. Um, community people who don't know the guidelines. This was frustrating for us. Um, and a little suggestion to some people that might have made some complaints uh, or sit, thought they saw something that they didn't really see. Um, the guidelines are extensive. Uh, most people don't even know what the guidelines are, never mind being able to interpret the guidelines. So, um, you know, I had to deal with some frustration with, you know, a few people making phone calls and saying, I saw this, and I said, it's not actually true. Um, our, our staff did a phenomenal job following the guidelines day by day, minute by minute. Um, but, you know, the reality is there were some people that were probably 
rooting us, rooting for us to fail. Um, and, you know, I had heard even about a little pool going on in town where, you know, when's the first kid going to get COVID-19 and shut down summer fun? And kind of disappointing to hear that because we're supposed to be all in this together. And I don't think, you know, who would really want to do that? Uh, and then there were some people that you know, there were great reasons why people shouldn't send their kid. And I value and I respect every parent that chose to not to send their child because of their concern with COVID-19. Um, but in the same breath, that's your choice. You cannot, you know, criticize people for sending their kids. And, you know, so there were you know, a couple of cheap shots on that. But reality being is the complaints were less and less as each day went by. And, you know, for every complaint we got, it actually ended up being about 30 compliments for every time we got, you know, a concern or a complaint. Um, we had to actually you know, be prepared that other groups are not as safe as ours. And we had a local, you know, camp at the high school that, you know, obviously did not follow the guidelines uh, properly. And we had a, a scare where 10 of our um, staff members uh, needed to be quarantined. Um, and obviously, I'm happy to say none of them were COVID-19 positive, uh, but it was an impact on us. Um, and it you know, had us change and had to hire some more people or whatever. Um, but I do think that incident in itself was a silver lining in terms of high school kids who actually thought the only people that really got COVID-19 were people Rick's age or people in nursing homes or things like that. And I think it kind of really shook up our high school kids and our college kids saying, you know, we got to watch what we're doing, you know, after work and on the weekends, whether it's barbecues or the beach or whatever like that, because, you know, if you don't follow the guidelines, it could affect a program. And, you know, there were some other local programs that had to be shut down um, because they didn't follow the guidelines. And obviously we can control the controllables and we need to control what we can do. And we did that for five hours a day. Uh, but after that incident at the high school, um, I had to take a look at really addressing with the kids the other 19 hours a day that they were living, you know, whether they were sleeping nine hours, what's the other 10 hours, and just trying to appeal to them that, you know, they need to practice all the guidelines. We're doing the five hours that we're at, at camp, and I'm so proud of what they did. Uh, weather, weather was unbelievable this summer. Um, we always have hot weather, don't get me wrong, but we had probably the most 90-degree weather days. Um, we had some funky weather, you know, one day it wasn't even supposed to rain till the afternoon and, you know, we get this thunder and lightning storm and obviously when you deal with a pandemic, it's, it's different on how you can use indoor space, but, you know, we rolled with everything this summer and, uh, you know, it was really good to see the last couple of weeks. We kind of lucked out on the weather, days it was supposed to rain, it didn't rain and, and everything like that. So um, it's New England, we got to roll with it. Uh, one of our best things that we really embrace here is, um, you know, kind of embracing the weather and how do we make the, the weather have fun with us. I know up at Sports and Rec, they love when there's showers and stuff like that and it doesn't stop them in what they're doing. So um, we had an unbelievable plan in terms of, you know, what happens if someone has COVID-19. Uh, and obviously, I'm extremely proud to be one of the few programs in the entire state that ran eight weeks that had zero COVID-19 cases. But we had a plan for that. Um, and, you know, I tell people and I've told ed educators, we need to stop thinking the attitude of preventing COVID-19 
um, but more dealing with it when it happens. Like we are going to have cases of COVID-19. The key is how you handle it. How is the cohort, you know, quarantine? Who gets quarantined? How long do they get quarantined for? Um, identifying the groups. Um, you know, after the incident that took place with the other program, uh, we did a quick, um, you know, test on how fast we could provide information if someone was um, COVID-19 positive. And uh, we showed really quickly that we could provide all the information necessary for any medical uh, authority in seven minutes. And that goes to the plan that we had. Um, you know, we looked at a lot of, like, you had to have a COVID-19 room. And we you know, come up with different names for it, but we didn't want to stigmatize it to that. So, you know, we had ways of, you know, making sure that if anyone had to use that room, uh, waiting for a ride, you know, would be all set, everything would be sanitized, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm happy to say after 14,000 health screenings, uh, we did not have one COVID-19 issue. I mean, the reality is we had some close cases um, and it was usually affected from outside the program like I had just mentioned, but we had a couple of unfortunate situations where a sibling um, was possibly COVID-19 and two of them ended up being negative, which was great. Um, and you really understood, you know, who has to be quarantined in terms of contacts. Is it a direct contact? Is it a contact removed by twice or three times? And then we unfortunately had a situation where a, a staff member's sister was positive and had he himself had to be quarantined uh, for the last two weeks of camp. But obviously the kids didn't have to be quarantined because, you know, they never had any contact with the sister and uh, the young man actually was negative anyways. But we took every precaution on that. Um, you know, understanding how to use space and, you know, and we're doing it with the reopening of the youth center, just understanding how we can actually use space properly. And it's not as difficult as everybody thinks it is. You just got to be creative. And we're going to be creative, and we were creative all summer. Um, most people think, oh, well, Rick just ran an outdoor program. That is not correct. Uh, we ran an outside program 65% of the time, and 35% we were in the building uh, using it correctly, um, the gymnasium and, you know, the upstairs and how we use that. So it's just a matter of being creative and how you use that state and really understanding what physical distancing is. So, you know, the school has a, a tough job ahead of them, and I know that they're going to do a great job in dealing with this. Um, but we need to start realizing, like, how are we going to do things? Not that we can't do anything. Um, parent concerns, a lot of the times, parents just need a sympathetic ear. They need to be told what is up. They need to be told, you know, literally, you know, how you're going to run things, what happens with this. And I think one of the few, the big things we had the fewest amount of complaints about is I think parents knew exactly what they were getting into by signing up in our program. And again, unlike an education setting, this is a volunteer program. You don't have to come to it. Um, but I know we had 819 kids that chose to do it. And I know we had close to 300 that after we got started actually wanted to be part of when they felt a little more comfortable with it. Um, so one of my things is, you know, before everybody thinks that parents are just you know, complaining or whining or something like that. Well, they're just looking for some answers. And I think the key for us was just communication, communication, communication. And uh, we probably did it almost too much. And if we did, I apologize. Uh, but the reality is parents need to know. You know, we needed to empower our staff. Um, and for us, the biggest success of why we were able to pull this off is we include them in planning. We gave them specific roles based on their skill set. 
Uh, we allowed them to be decision makers, which is extremely important. We allowed them to carry the torch with our culture. And as I've said many, many times on this podcast, the youth center's culture is second to none. I believe there's a number of other organizations that have good cultures, and I'll give a shout-out to Steve Nugent's track program at the high school. But at the end of the day, the culture that we do here is amazing. Uh, it's carried on for decades. And uh, allowing the staff to carry the torch with the culture instead of just Rick Gorman doing that is huge. Um, allow them to make mistakes. And remember, a pandemic is messy. No one's ever lived through a pandemic before, and there were going to be problems. So to get you know, upset at staff constantly or whatever, we were learning as much as everybody was learning. Um, celebrate the growth in the leadership, and I'm telling you, I am so proud of every kid that worked for me. I am so proud of that think tank, but I'm proud of those newest workers who started out as 16-year-old kids trying to just think they're going to get a job at Summer Fun playing with kids and have to follow all these guidelines and came out with flying colors. So um, you got to celebrate that. As I said, constant communication and feedback. You have to do that. You have to allow people to give you some feedback. And I'm not, I'm not sensitive to this. If there were things that we could do better, I wanted to hear it. Um, and some of the complaints we did get were things that I did take into consideration and took a look at. Um, how you do it is the key, though. Um, daily accountability. You know, we had to send kids home or have parents sit in the parking lot and fill out the health screening. It's accountable. No kid was coming on our site. No staff was coming on our site unless they uh, filled out that um, health screening. Um, we had to send a couple of staff members home throughout the summer till they, till they did the health screening and then come back. Uh, but you got to hold them the accountability. Weekly debriefs and problem solving. My think tank group, we met every Friday. We kind of digested what was good, what was bad, where we needed to get better. Um, and allowing them to be part of this problem solving thing was great. Always show appreciation and gratitude. And I think I personally do a really good job with that. I think our staff does. Uh, I think our parents Big shout out, what you guys did this summer for my staff. I can't even put a price tag about just showing your appreciation the way you did. Um, and you know what it was like on the last day. Last days are the most emotional days, but when you see parents you know, crying, you see parents with their cars decorated, when you see parents, you know, basically the common theme was the youth center saved summer. And uh, your appreciation kept us going every day. Um, I needed to take the hits so my staff didn't. I had a young staff and you know, I was not gonna tell my staff every time I got an email with a person making a false complaint about something or whatever. Um, and that's just what you gotta do, I guess, when you sit in the first chair is you gotta take some hits uh, so your staff does. And I needed them to stay positive. I needed them to believe what they were doing was amazing. Um, you gotta believe in the people you put in the positions of authority. Um, I think we did a great job picking our people in authority and and you just got to back them up and remember they're just in a lot of ways they're just kids they're learning and uh, they're going to be so stronger and better for everything they did um, and I always believe this um, in a global pandemic it's messy things get screwed up a little bit things may not go as flawless as you did uh, but before you correct those kids and I live my life by this um, I've never yelled at a kid unless that kid knows that I love him um, and I think they need to know that you care about them uh, and then they'll take that feedback and and do the best with it so 
you know, we, we empowered that line staff. So, you know, you take away that think tank and you take those other 122 or so staff people. Um, we recognized their accomplishments. We shared with them the emails. When the wonderful woman wrote a poem about our counselors, we read it to our counselors. Anytime we got a great email, anytime there was an email from somebody, I would bring the kid in and say, this was written about you. Uh, one of the best stories I got was a parent that read an email that wanted to wait till the end of the summer but feel they couldn't because um, she was just emotional. It was Friday night. Um, her son, her daughter had her first softball game. And in the field walks her two favorite counselors who on their own personal time, um, Emma and Claudia, uh, they made it down to the softball field. And it was the greatest thing for this girl. And I think it was the greatest thing for the parents. So I called each of them on Saturday morning. I think they thought they were in trouble. Um, and I kind of told them what these parents said. So these were the things that got my staff and, and helped them keep going. And we, we, we encouraged them to look at the social media posts. Um, and we just tried to keep them up to date with that. Um, we put each staff person in a position to succeed. And that's all you can ask to do. And uh, well done, well done, mission, mission completed. We actually did put people in a position to succeed. And then again, you know, hold them accountable, like I had said earlier. Um, documenting everything. That was a huge part of what we did this summer. Uh, the entire summer, pandemic 2020 was data driven. Um, we had to make sure on the daily health screening for participants, the daily health screening for the staff. Um, we had to actually defeat the myth that kids can't wear masks. And we had a document on that, you know, and it would blow people's minds away of how many, how few issues we had with kids with masks. Um, we obviously had to document anything to do with any the COVID-19 guidelines and any instance that came up with that. We had to collaborate with our medical team on a daily basis, and that's the nurses as well as Brian and Carolyn at the health, health department. And, you know, again, another shout-out to Lauren McDonald. Um, couldn't have done it without her. Um, holding area for anyone to get sick, you know, and we wanted to make sure it wasn't a stigmatized, like if a kid wasn't feeling well, I mean, we even had kids like, oh, do you think he has or he, she has COVID-19? And we had to really deal with the stigmatization with that. Um, and, you know, just making sure we had every, you know, T crossed and every I dotted on all of these things. Um, constant ability to provide uh, cohort tracking information. This was the thing I told you in seven minutes, we were actually able to show a, a test that we did on this. Um, the reality is you needed to track where the kids were at, who they were with. Uh, now again, kids are with every people outside of the five hours, but during the five hours, we could track exactly where all of these cohorts were. Observations, observations, observations. My entire summer was observations, watching, seeing what we are doing, documenting everything, giving feedback. Um, and again, we learned an awful lot about running a summer program in a global pandemic. Daily check-in with our participants. And, you know, I talked to the kids. You know, many times I had to talk to the kids. And, you know, when the word got out to some of our younger kids that some of our kids were quarantined, I, have to, I had to meet with those kids. I had to actually talk to some parents because there was some fear around that. So, you know, obviously checking in with our participants in terms of how you're handling the mask. You know, how, you know, 
what are we doing on this hot day here? And we'd have to adjust activities. Um, you know, obviously taking a look at our whole attendance reports. Who's not coming? Is there a reason why they're not coming? Are they just going to the beach or on a vacation? These were all things that we tracked completely. Uh, early releases. Why is a kid being released early? Is he not failing well? Is he just going to the beach early? Uh, but these are all things that we were actually able to document throughout the um, summer. And then it came down to, you know, as we got to each day getting closer and closer, um, you know, it became we were going to do this. Um, and, you know, when we finished those last two days at all the sites and how emotional those sites were, um, you know, the parents and the kids, and I can't tell you enough about the tears that were spilled in, in North Andover those last two days, um, we finally all looked at each other and we said we did it. Um, and that was the whole thing. Um, nice story up at Sports and Rec between a couple of my staff people. When the last whistle sounded, just two guys looked at each other and just said the same thing. They said it together. They said, we really did it. And, uh, yes, they really did do it. So, you know, when it was over, um, we debriefed the entire summer. You know, what worked, what didn't, what would we do differently? Um, who knows? We may still be in you know, coronavirus, global pandemic next summer. I'm hoping we're not, but you know, if we were, how would we continue to run safe programs? We celebrated all the victories, no matter how small or how big. Uh, we looked at that silver linings thing that I've mentioned a lot. We talked, we talked, we wrote down and said, these are gonna be our new norms. These are things that we should have done probably before a pandemic. Uh, we spent time showing gratitude to all those that made our dream come true and the kids' dream come true. We took the high road with the haters, the non-believers, and the scared. And that's what a lot of it was. People were scared, and people are still scared. Um, but by the end of my day is that, you know, we are in this together. We should be supporting each other. And it's not, it's not my job to call out the people that, you know, were the haters of the program. Um, I just think that they are going to look at this a little bit different now of what we actually did and what we were actually able to combat. We got fee feedback on every guideline we had to follow because I want to give the powers that be um, some feedback on actually the state guidelines. And the state would, would love to hear all of our thoughts and our, our data that we've provided this summer because I think at the end of the day, we need to even look at how we're even doing the guidelines. Uh, the guide, should the guidelines, guidelines be even a little bit more different than they are? Um, we spent 80% of our summer outdoors um, and 65% on some days. Um, and the reality is that we, we really got this done and, you know, to be able to put together this binder, this hundred page binder of the summer is the most amazing thing. And, uh, you know, and then from there, we, we kind of wrapped up the summer and we, um, it was time to kind of take a bow. And, you know, I first want to thank, um, those experts, those people that were the people that were going to allow me to have this program and not allow me to have this program starting with our town manager all the way down. Uh, a shout out to our town manager, Melissa Rodriguez. I, I have been one of the few people in town that has worked for every town manager North Andover has ever had. And I think I've had a great relationship with all of them, but they were all very different. I'm not sure how many town managers would be a build for a global pandemic. I think some would have taken a different style and probably not let me do this. Um, there is a, a few others that have higher personalities um, that may have, you know, micromanaged me as much. Um, Melissa basically said, I, I trust you. Um, at the end of the day, I might have the final decision and I might say no, Rick, but go with it. I love your passion. I love what you're trying to do. 
uh, and along with D. Casey, um, they kind of gave us the okay to do that. And then, you know, working with what I consider the best health department in the state right now, um, what they did. And then, you know, obviously I've mentioned Lauren McDonald, Cheryl Bazak, Carolyn Ibbinson, the nurses, you know, what they did for us was amazing. And then, you know, we had to really kind of thank all of the people and starting with the parents that really believed in us and, and made this happen. So, um, and then I did something that I've never done before. Extremely time consuming. Um, I'm having one-on-one -on -one meetings with uh, 150 of the kids that worked for me this summer. And uh, I am literally down to the final 10. Um, but I wanted to personally thank every single one of them for what they did um, in making this the best summer ever. Um, I wanted to thank them and use the parents' line of, um, you know, you save summer. And I actually know that they did save summer and we'll always look at it that way. Um, I'm getting great feedback from them on their resiliency and what they want to do. And it's interesting. And at the end of the day, we have a hybrid method at, at, at the school department. But if you talk to 150 kids that work for me, they would they believe in going back to school full time because they think it can be done. And obviously, school's a little bit different than summer programs. But I love the passion that they want to be back in there. And they want to show people what what we did and how we did it. So um, I actually don't have much more to say about those kids except Everyone in the town of North Andover owes these kids a debt of gratitude. I also want to shout out the uh, the 819 kids. This was something, some of that they've never had before. Uh, they had to follow very strict guidelines. They had to uh, be involved with a program that was different than how they remember it. Um, and the first time is, this is probably how they think summer funds run all the time, but you know, the reality here was each one of those kids, it was hot wearing a mask. It was it was hard following the guidelines. Uh, but you guys were troopers. Um, and when I saw you all get into the cars, and I know how much you guys miss my staff already, and uh, you miss coming back to our programs, and I want to thank you, 819 special young people there. And I think the school department gets a little bit of help on this also in terms of each one of those 819 kids is used to wearing a mask. They're used to following guidelines. I think they're going to be really good at the schools they go back to on that. So this has been a little bit of a blueprint about how we did it. Um, to wrap this up, you know, I've been fortunate in my 32 years here to be involved with some amazing things that have happened in this town. Um, you know, when I think back at some of the real sad things we've had when we had our adolescent uh, seventh grade suicide cluster um, back in the 90s um, when we dealt with a lot of teen deaths in the in the 90s and early 2000s and then some of the amazing things that we have been able to accomplish like building this department from a one-man one-truck operation to to the agency it is now and and obviously our town building this youth center and uh, the field aspects I've been involved with and the, the new fields were built and building Stevens Pond, all wonderful things that I can say I've been really part of. But I do want to say this summer was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, um, but it was the greatest thing I've done in my life. You know, if, if anything that I have a legacy when I do leave here, um, helping to put on summer programs during a global pandemic, this was the thing I'm most proud of. When you look at the youth center and you look at 
bricks and mortars and it's a beautiful building but at the end of the day our kids in North Andover our families needed this summer and I'm proud to lead uh, this group of staff of 150 kids and five full-time people uh, to pull off the greatest summer ever so once again North Andover you showed how you step up to stuff you show how you support the kids in town um, and this is why even after 32 years, I'm extremely proud to be the director of the, the North End of Youth and Recreation Services. And I do hope that in 2021, we can get back to a little bit more normalcy with our summer program. But if we can't be fully understood that we will be putting on a summer program and we will do whatever it takes to make it a safe program for our kids. And I want to finish by just saying, you need to continue to watch the social and emotional aspect of our kids from our little kindergarten kids all the way up through our college kids this is not an easy time for them because remember it's not an easy time for us as adults um, but we need to continue to do whatever we can to do to help kids in particular to get through these rough times and you know as we always say this you know north end of we're in this together uh, let's continue to work together um, to keep this a safe um, environment for our kids and continue to make this the great town that we are. So again, I thank you all. And as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.